Welcome to Identity of Health. My name is Matt Rowe, the founder of Identity of Health, a certified health coach who was diagnosed with MS and found that MS was the greatest gift ever handed to me. If you are looking for inspiration and motivation, you are in the right place. During each episode, we are going to hear inspiring stories from those that have gone on to live incredible lives after they have been diagnosed with the disease, along with meeting those that are healing others and improving their patients' lives. Now come join me for your dose of inspiration. Welcome everybody to the Identity of Health podcast. I have the pleasure of speaking with Karen Dwyer today. She's a coach, speaker, wellness activist, mom, TEDx speaker, and founder of the MS to Success program. Welcome, Karen, to the show today. I'm so happy that you're here. It's so honored to, have, to be speaking with you. Oh, Matt, listen, the same back multiplied by 10. I am so happy and so privileged to be here. And I know we spent a couple of minutes chatting before, but like I'm trying to contain my excitement of just getting to chat, not only with a fellow ginge. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be hot. It's going to be fire today on the show is with this is we are both redheads. If you guys are watching the live video, we are both redheads and she is from Ireland. And I'm a self-proclaimed Irish, but as we were joking before the show, I'm a mutt, Karen. I'm American. This is just, we are a mix of different. You're going to have to take that back. You're not a mutt. You are a, you're a unique blend. <laughs> oh, I love how you put that. I, I, okay. It changes right now. I am a unique blend. I like that a lot. So Karen, tell me about yourself. Tell me about your journey and what happened. Yeah, well, you know, I wonder, should it begin when I, you know, couldn't feel the hairdryer on my head mm. because the entire right side of my body was numb or when I couldn't see out of my eyes because optic neuritis was hitting and I was told that it was just because of pregnancy and hitting a nerve or, you know, maybe I started where the neurologist says to me in the emergency room that the number of lesions on my brain would be normal for an eight-year-old which was the day I was diagnosed with MS wow. so yeah you take your pick <laughs> oh let's let's start with the hairdryer we're just going to go right down the line hairdryer optic neuritis and then um the terrible now granted I love our doctors I love our neurologists they have the best intentions but to tell a patient under a moment of fear like that, that you have more brain lesions than an 80-year-old. I mean, that yeah. bedside manner, that's not bedside manner. Yeah. That's not he, cool. he was dressed like a really well-dressed Santa Claus with a really posh voice. So I was kind of mm -hmm. looking up at him and like he'd long white hair and really well spoken. And like the only part that made it okay was that when I looked down I was kind of looking down because I could feel hot tears you know coming up and I didn't know what to do that I looked down at the gown that I was wearing for the MRI and looked to my left at the curtain of the bed and they were matching <laughs> so that's the only thing that made me go is this moment actually happening like is this is this it's real or am yeah. I like drugged up because I had to take a Xanax to mm -hmm. even give me the 
confidence to go into the MRI machine in the first place. But um, yeah, it was um, certainly a, a pivotal point in my journey. Um, but I will take you back to the hairdryer moment. So I, I had managed to sneak away for five minutes upstairs whilst my kids were having their dinner. And, uh, you know, I get out of the shower and, you know, you're drying your hair quickly. And, and anyone that's a parent will know when there's two kids eating and there's quiet, you kind of mm -hmm. make a bit of a rush to, get, <laughs> to get done quickly because it's always suspicious, right? Right. Um, and I'm drying my hair and I can smell burning. You know, that smell of burning hair and you're like, what oh, is yeah. that? And I could smell my hair burning, but I couldn't feel any sensation. So I stopped the hairdryer wondering if my hair had gotten caught. I put it down. I'm like, what's going on? And I kind of touched my head and it's like, oh, that feels funny. I could hear the noise of me touching my head and the sensation, you know, around like my hair, but I couldn't actually feel much. And then I started touching my face and it was like, oh, I, I can't feel that either and then patting my body down all the way down to my toes and it was my entire right side was completely numb wow. now a week before this I had gone in for uh, I went into the emergency department because my right hand my baby finger and my ring finger all the way up to my elbow was numb and I went into the emergency room and there was a really handsome looking doctor called Dr. Oshin. And he said to me, Karen, unless it's something sinister, you probably just slept on it funny. So go home. And he could mm. tell that my, well, obviously I had expressed myself facially as well. Cause he's like, you're not happy with that. Are you? Like, no, <laughs> no, no, I'm you're not. Cute. I want to stay here and you know, <laughs> yeah. come up with something else. What's that? Take off my clothes. What are you joking? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but, you know, I, you know, at this point, my daughter was my, my youngest, my second child was, six months old mm -hmm. so you know I was this mix of absolutely exhausted mm. kind of feeling like I was gone out of my mind a little bit and wondering is this motherhood mm. is it is it my relationship that I'm in that's rocky you know and look a new baby comes along you know relationships are definitely tested anyway oh. and then I was like am I am I making this up like am I actually am I just so stressed that I'm manifesting this to get out of the house like that's how much I was questioning myself. And I just felt like crap. Wow. So anyway, he says to me, you're not happy with that, are you? No, no, I'm not. And he said, look, we'll bring you back in for an outpatient appointment. Fine. But then, you know, it was, I think, three, maybe four days later, that's when the hairdryer incident happened. So I went down to my partner at the time and I said, look, I'm going to go back in and get this checked. Mm -hmm. But what I did this time, which I didn't do the first one, was I packed a bag. Mm. I packed an overnight bag because I knew I, I didn't know what, but I knew. Um, and I got myself to the hospital and this time they brought me straight down for an MRI. There was like, no kidding. OK, we're taking you seriously. Now, I was petrified. I, I mean, I was so claustrophobic that they had to give me Xanax. Mm -hmm. And I eventually went in. But I think I was in the MRI machine for like an hour and a half. They did lumbar spine and obviously my brain as well. And this this, you know mean santa claus that was giving me the results uh you know it was like he was looking at this naughty list and i was like the worst and anyway he says you know the number of lesions on your spine karen karen would be normal for an 80 year old and there's a large lesion lit up on your spine on the left hand side of your spine which is giving you the the numbness all down your right hand side we're going to need to keep you in so i was like okay so 
I did what I thought was best when he said, I, I just need to go and check something, check a bed to see if it's there because he mentioned the word demyelination. So mm-hmm. I'm grabbing out my phone, which has about 3% battery left in it. And I'm trying to spell the word, first of all, because I've never mm-hmm. heard it before. Right. And of course, the first thing that comes up is MS. So when he came back into the room and said, look, we have a bed for you and we're going to send a neurologist up. Uh, I said, look, is it multiple sclerosis? And he kind of looked at me annoyed and a bit surprised and said, well, most likely it is but we need to do a lumbar puncture and, you know, test the, the fluid in your spine before we can confirm it. And so that was my first of many hospital stays, you know, the first of many, many relapses, you know, I, I may as well have had my own parking space in that hospital. So uh, I, you know, I laugh at it, but, you know, I suppose one of the things that I've developed and I don't know if it's a healthy thing or not, is that I either laugh or I cry, you mm. know? And, and I think, Certainly in that moment, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in a hospital bed with two kids. One is six months old. The other one is like seven and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm in this relationship that I, I'm, it's fractured and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm worried and I'm stressed. And, but it's this, this sounds weird, right? Me saying this and I, and, and I'm part reluctant to say it, but I, I had three emotions first. I, the first one was relief. Because it was like, okay, I'm not going crazy. I'm not, I'm not losing my mind. I'm not making this up that there's something not right. And then the next one was fear because the only thing that I thought of was a wheelchair. And I get that most people that are diagnosed Mm -hmm. MS probably have that thought too. And I feel kind of ignorant saying that, but that was the only vision, the only visual representation that I had of MS. And then the third one, um, I think, I think what I can call it now is probably hope. And what I can only describe it as is a light in my stomach. That was maybe there before. God, I'm not, I'm not laughing and crying now. Um, it was like it was always there, but it actually lit up. And it was like saying, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, I thought I can't tell anyone that because Here's me getting this news and me going, no, it's going to be fine. I have this, you know, hope they're going to put me in an asylum. (laughs) Um, So, but I had this weird knowing that it was going to be okay. Yeah. And I, I think my, my biggest thing from there, like I suppose my, my next hurdle that I had to come over and I say this because I would like it to, help somebody maybe that's listening and maybe it might not but maybe it might but my biggest thing like hurdle then after this was actually managing everybody else's reactions (laughs) to what happened like I had family with the best of intentions and the biggest hearts Mm -hmm. be around my hospital bed crying and on the phone to me crying oh this is terrible and you'll have to and it's like stop don't make this bigger than it needs to be. Like I need support. I don't need your sympathy. Yes. Like really, I, I, that's not helpful right now, you know? And, and I say this because I think the biggest leap in my own strength and resilience was being able to say to someone, I appreciate your concern. 
-hmm. and and your well-meaning and well-intentioned advice and right now it's not what i need i just need you to listen Ooh, is that powerful no and that is when we are diagnosed with a disease at some standpoint no one around you it's not like everybody comes to you you know you hear about a disease like this in actuality happening all of the time and so we don't know how to address it as loved ones Mm -hmm. around us but you said something very powerful right there karen is i just need you to listen and be in this light of hope that i know deep within me this will pass and this is where i call like ms is one of the greatest gifts handed to us because we wake up Oh, yeah. Thank you for saying that. I've been afraid of saying that because, you know, when I was in the throes of MS, I think if somebody had said that to me, I won't drop the F-bomb right now, but I probably would have said that to them. Like, go yourself. Right. Now, of course, I can see that looking in the rearview mirror because, Mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've, I've put myself through the ringer and I'm not saying people that are still dealing with it aren't. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very, very mindful of what I say and how I say it, because, mm-hmm. you know, you want to say things that are going to either inspire somebody to realize their own influence on their health mm-hmm. or else that it sparks something that's a catalyst for their own transformation. Mm-hmm. But look, you know, I thought that, I had to have other people fix me first. So I was in a state of panic searching outside of me. Mm. I needed someone to fix me because it was like, oh, I have this. I'm broken. There's something wrong with me. Sure. And like, like I said earlier on, it took me so many hospital stays and it actually took my ex walking out on Christmas day, three or four years later. Don't get me wrong. He's an amazing guy. Right. So Mm. I don't say that facetiously. He is an amazing dad. Um, and I, I can't imagine what it was like for him, you know, seeing his partner, like we were supposed to get married and then all of a sudden we've a baby and then I'm in hospital. I'm sure he felt really helpless mm-hmm. and I'm sure it was a real struggle for him. And honestly, I didn't consider him. I, I really, I had no consideration for him mm-hmm. at all because I was in such a state of panic that it was like, yeah, well, either help me or piss off. Right. Like, I can't deal with you too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I, I feel bad saying that, but also I, I, I just had to do what I had to do. And it got to the point where, you know, him walking out was a really big gift to both of us mm. because it, that was the turning point for me. It was the absolute turning point that two weeks later, I found myself at a wellness conference at like a speaker's conference. And one of the speakers asked this question, what are you grateful for? And I couldn't think of anything. Mm. I couldn't think of anything because at this point I'm in my mom's house now mm-hmm. with two kids. I had given up my career, um, which was successful because I needed to look after my health. I was on an invalidity pension mm-hmm. and no partner and two kids. And I felt like a piece of shit. Oh. I felt like I felt like I was just getting up in the morning to bring my kids to school and to get through the day and the fatigue was debilitating. My own thoughts about myself mm-hmm. was debilitating. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even want to be around people because I thought 
I have nothing to add to a conversation and I can't be with other people that are going about their life and are happy because I'm too angry that I don't have that. Mm. And so it was bleak, (laughs) you know, it was, it was, but you know, I had a smile on my face. Mm. Not that many people would have known. I was run ragged, putting on this facade of I'm fine. You don't need to worry about me. I am good. But internally, I was, I don't know how to describe it. I was, I was just surviving. I was just Mm. getting on with it day to day. And I was dragging my ass through it. Like it really was. Um, Through all of this, Karen, I mean, what you're describing is bottom. Yeah. Is like really in that doom and gloom. Did you still feel the light that you had felt in the hospital? No, I felt like anytime the light came back up, I was blowing it out. Okay. It was like, screw you and your light, Karen. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, it was was like, oh, well, that's great. But like, how am I going to do like, and I I was beating myself up that, oh my God, how did you get to this point? Mm -hmm. And then I was just filled with anger and frustration that I was at this point. Mm-hmm. So it was like there was no opportunity for anyone to win the situation. And if anyone wanted to help me, which I had many people like my mom, my brother, my sister, you know, everyone that met me was like, oh, you should speak to so-and-so. And I remember a neighbor, my mom's neighbor saying to me, oh, I knew two people with MS. And and, well, and she told me this horror story. I'm not even going to repeat it because it's just not nice. I remember looking at her going, how? in the name of God, is that supposed to help me or be of support? And I know people have the best of intentions and they want to relate to you. So it's like they do a Google search and it doesn't matter what comes up. They just (laughs) give it to you. Like (laughs) that cracks me up, Karen. They do a Google search in their mind. They're like, this is going to work. Let's just tell her this horror story of somebody else that has gone through it. No. Yeah. And when you look at this, multiple sclerosis is different for all of us. I know. I know. I, that's the really frustrating thing, isn't it? That it isn't one size fits all. I think mm-hmm. if if somebody told me, okay, this, then this, then this, you'd be like, okay, I know what to expect. But I felt like I was living inside an enemy border. And anytime I felt any twitch or twinge or pain, it was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, is that MS striking? Mm-hmm. Is that it? So mm-hmm. I went into high alert. Like if somebody looked at me sideways, if I felt a twinge in my body, it was like I was under attack all the time. And that in itself was exhausting. Like just painful. So I'm at this conference two weeks after, you know, in the depths of January, my ex has walked out. I have no money. I have no home. I have two kids. And I'm asked this question, what are you grateful for? (laughs) I'm like, eh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I remember, you're not I asking that question right now yeah. yeah yeah and then on the flip side of that it was like okay hang on it was like a fish being taken out of water that I realized the water that I was in you couldn't actually see through it was like oh am I that unhappy that I can't think of something that I'm grateful for like okay and it was the slap in the face that I absolutely 
needed right there at that moment. And so I came away from it having made a promise to myself and I have the, I have the journal. Uh, I won't lean over because I'll end up knocking the microphone and things and everything over. But I made a promise to myself that day that I was going to make myself happy. Wow. But I didn't know what it looked like. It was like, I've, I've no idea who I am anymore because I gave up my job and then this truck and I'm a mom and I've just got to look after them and I've no job. And, you know, who, who am I? Mm-hmm. Who am I? Only the words that I have of these letters of MS. That is a powerful question. And not knowing where to start, I think we, when we make that decision in our lives that, and we make that promise to ourselves is the first step. Mm-hmm. is the yeah. first step for all of us because then you ask that next very very powerful important question that's difficult to answer who am i yeah well you know what matt when i took a look i wasn't <laughs> i wasn't impressed with who i was being okay. you know who i was being was um victim i was being total victim and i was being martyr you know, there was, I had all of these things around me and I'm not saying I wasn't entitled at points to feel like that. Like really, it was a really shitty circumstance for quite a while. You had every right. Totally. Mm-hmm. But I was also like closing all of the open doors in front of me and locking mm-hmm. them, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, it's time to actually let some of the light in and allow myself some joy and some happiness. And even if I don't know what it is, like practice being curious about finding out, you know, yeah. and allow myself to do it. Cause I, I really did have it that it has to be this complicated protocol or I don't know that I had to, I thought I have to come vegan. I have to work out X times a day. I have to like do that. And it was really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It was so overwhelming that I thought, well, look, I can't, I can just about look after my kids every day. How am I going to do something like that? You know, I, I didn't have the confidence in myself to take on something big like that, but mm-hmm. the promise of making myself happy, I could do that. Mm-hmm. So I started researching gratitude and the scientific benefits of it. Mm-hmm. I then started practicing it. And look, I, I want to give you the cheesy line, but I recognize how cliche it is. But <laughs> I remember walking my daughter in her, we call them a buggy in Ireland. Do you call them a buggy or a pram? Uh, yeah, um, stroller. Stroller. Mm-hmm. Um, to the store. I'll say the store. We say shop in Ireland. Um, and there was flowers growing over this backyard wall. And I remember stopping and smelling them and going, oh, my goodness. Like, I have not been present to anything around me other than having blinkers on and just getting through what I need to get through every day. Wow. My brain started to prime itself to look out for, ah, I'm going to write that in my journal the next day. Mm -hmm. And then my conversations started getting broader. I started having something to talk about to other people. Mm -hmm. And I started becoming interested in others Mm -hmm. rather than just shit. What am I going to do to get through the next day? And so things just started to feel a little bit lighter. And at this point, and, I, and I'm really conscious to say that I don't recommend this to anyone, mm-hmm. that I, I came off medication in December 2014. So I'd been off medication for a couple of years at this point. Mm-hmm. And I had said to my medical practitioner, uh, well, he had said to me, look, if you 
get any more lesions if you progress anymore Mm -hmm. you need to go back on it and I said okay but at this point I'm not on medication and every time I have an MRI Mm -hmm. I'm like really nervous and I'm thinking oh god I don't want to go back on it because I think I was in the small percentage of people that had all of the side effects (laughs) you know my liver counts several times higher than it should have been like I collapsed driving on the highway like I it was such a near miss of me being run over by a truck um so uh, anyway I I don't I won't bother telling you the horror stories because it's of no benefit to anyone Mm. but what I will say is is that at this point you know I'm I know that my next MRI is in a few months time and things are starting to change for me and I'm I'm doing whatever I can and it's coming up closer and closer to this time and at this point I've started exercising a little bit more Mm -hmm. I've changed around my diet I've I've started to take accountability for myself and I start to realize the influence that I have on my happiness and on my health and well-being so I arrive at my neurologist's office and my palms are sweaty and you know I can feel a tightness in my chest and in my throat and you know I'm going in and it's like uh, he asks me so Mr. Dwyer what have you been doing like well I list out all these things. I've been taking extra vitamin D. I've been meditating. I've, mm-hmm. And you know, when you're talking really fast, when you're nervous, mm-hmm. and I could just see him looking at me and he's quite a shy man. And he said, okay, well, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Like, okay, mm-hmm. this is good. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, what does the MRI say? And I said, well, all your lesions have shrunk again. Mm-hmm. Like, so whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And I was like, so am I in remission? He goes, well, no, we don't use that word. You, you've had burnout. Sometimes people in their 50s or 60s, naturally the disease fizzles out mm-hmm. and you've had that. You know, we've seen that over and over again with the thing and, and they've shrunk and shrunk and shrunk and shrunk. Uh, I was like, am I cured? So oh, we don't use that word. I said, well, you're going to have to give me a word. He's like, no, no, it's burnout. I was like, okay, I'll just uh-huh. take that and run then. So <laughs> it is, it, you know, and it's possible. But you, at that moment of walking down the street and seeing the flowers and stopping and enjoying, and you had said it, the present, this present moment of now, that's why I call MS the greatest wake-up call, the greatest gift that we receive is because we wake up to how beautiful our lives truly are. Yeah. And how beautiful this planet. And it puts us in a state of awe. People have asked me as I walk down, they're like, how are you doing? And they give you that cancer face. And I'm like, I'm about one step away from throat punching him. But I'm going to refrain right now. And you look at them and you smile and you're like, I am in awe. I am in awe of my life. I am in awe of so much beauty that's around me from a sunset that I see driving home to the moon as it rises to a flower, to a feather that falls at my feet, to an event that happens where the only way to respond to this beautiful event is looking and saying, well, of course it is. Of course that happened. And so you being in the neurologist's office and you're wanting to have that answer. Is it remission? Is it, is it cured? Am I done with this? And he goes, no, you had burnout. And, and at some moment you're like, well, of, 
course that happened. Yeah. It How took me a while. Oh, it took it, me a while to be, like to go, hang on. Like, did I get that right? Did he, did he really say that? Like, oh my, is it going to come back? Like, you know, mm-hmm. you have all those like fears that you don't necessarily want to say out loud because you don't want to jinx it, you know, sure. but then it's like, you know, you build that muscle from the inside out mm. and, and not the other way around, which honestly, yes. that's what I thought I had to do. But oh my God, like, I really believe that if we transform the narrative around disease and how we treat it, mm. that it's not just treating the symptoms that show up in the doctor's office that it's treating the whole human exactly as they are and exactly as they aren't and speaking to that and looking yes. after that, then it gives the scaffolding of care and confidence and support that someone feels the confidence that they can let go of whatever stress it is that they're holding onto mm-hmm. so that they can actually give themselves the space, the honor, the respect to allow themselves to heal, you yes. know, really nurture themselves. Mm-hmm. And like, and I, you know, that's why I, I call myself a wellness activist because I'm so passionate about making that available to people that they have the power, mm-hmm. you know, they have the influence on their own well-being, and that sounds woo-woo as f, but <laughs> like so really, mm-hmm. if we strip away all of the shit mm-hmm. that people deal with on a daily life, strip away the chronic stress. Mm-hmm. then we've got a chance. Yes. I love how you said strip away the chronic st- stress, but you also said something that I thought, thought was very powerful is it begins with you. Mm. It begins from within. I, you know, if I want to go seek love, I can't seek love outwardly and go, Oh, please love me. Please. Come on. I just need some love. I want you to, would you support me until I love myself fully? To be able to step in front of a mirror and say the words as I look in my own eyes, I love you and truly believe it and embody it. I can't ever imagine one of my symptoms being overcoming a symptom or overcoming MS or overcoming disease if I don't begin with it to make that happen. And that's why I love how you said that so beautifully, but it's this moment of awareness that we step into through our lives as we go into your, you're like, you have two roads you can walk down. I can continue down the path that I was walking and get the same symptoms, same results, optic neuritis, numb, you know, burnt hair, numb face, like all of that kind of stuff as I'm raising two kids and sit in this level of doom, gloom, shame, guilt, fear, whatever it is, or I can approach my life with love and joy and awe for how incredible I am. And then that my vibration changes and I start to heal from disease. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I love how you said that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's remarkable what a human is capable of. Mm. And, you know, we, you know, we hear this statistic about you only use a certain percentage of your brain. Like we're, we're, and I know we use probably a lot more than that percentage, but really when we tap into what we're capable of Mm. and 
how hard we are on ourselves. I mean, mm. you know, I, I'll, I'll speak for me personally, um, but the meanest voice that was ever around me was my own. Yeah. And that no one heard, but my God, she was a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and she still yeah. is, but I, I, I know when to put her back. <laughs> right. I called mine Richard. And then when he was really mean, he was Dick. So yeah, that's just the way it is. Like, yeah, we beat our own selves up. Nobody tells me I'm supposed to think like this. Yeah. Nobody calls me in the morning and says, oh, do you realize how terrible you are? You're a really bad writer. You're really bad at this. No, no, no. It's my own brain going, oh man, you know, you, you misspelled that word. You know, you didn't do this. You know, you missed that deadline. And it just creates that stress element, which for us with MS, now that we've healed from it, we realize how important and impactful that is. Mm-hmm. It really is. It really is. And, you know, like when we talk about it and, and it, it can sound really woo-woo and for anybody that's listening, you know, when we talk about self-care and removing chronic stress and all the rest, mm-hmm. sometimes, well, certainly, again, I'll speak from my experience and, and from experience with clients as well. It's not doing the like the bats and the candles and the fluffy, you know, rainbows and, and unicorns. Mm-hmm. That's not the kind of self-care that I'm talking about. Like it's going there with repairing relationships or making Mm -hmm. peace with the past putting the past back in the past where it belongs Mm -hmm. sometimes it's emptying the goddamn dishwasher before you go to bed at night so you're giving yourself the gift of waking up with some clarity in your physical space the next day like it's it's in the really mundane not so pleasant things that I believe some of the greatest self-care comes from Mm -hmm. you know And yes, a bath is nice and a massage is nice and they're all lovely, but actually getting really to the heart yeah. of what is and isn't working in your life is mm-hmm. uh, it's painful. But, you know, like I'll speak about it, like, you know, exercise. I don't like exercising, but I like having exercised. Mm. You, like you know, after. yeah, for sure. Like total buzz off it. I don't necessarily enjoy it when I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. But it's again the same with self-care and with those mundane things like that are on our to-do list maybe for a long time that we're avoiding. It's in doing those things, you know, and that's just one part of it, right? But you know, I, I hear so many people and coaches and talking about self-care and you know, do this and do this, and that's lovely, but it's not real. Yeah. You know, it's a piece, but until you like you could eat the best diet in the world, vegan, swank, wells, like whatever you do. Yes, it's great. And you can exercise, you can do all that. But until you are truly wake up to how incredible you are as a person, does that not have the hold or the healing power that it should have? Mm-hmm. So with all of this, is this, you know, what I'm hearing is awareness, your awareness of how incredible you are, Karen. Now, I was about to say something and undo all of my good work, and I'm not going to say that. So instead, I'm going to say thank you very much. So proud of you. That's it. It's like, (laughs) that is really is how often in our lives, and it's a really good example is like anybody listening right now, And I truly believe that for Karen, of how incredible she is in this level of awareness. But when we hear a compliment like that, that comes to us, how our brain immediately, without even a split second thought goes, oh, it's not that big of a deal. 
oh, really? It's, you know, it's, and we downplay how incredible we are. And so take that, take something from Karen in this moment of giving that gratitude of saying, thank you very much. And you are yeah. so very welcome. And my I'm heart really- is racing as you say that. I mean, as you said that, and I'm like, oh no, just take the compliment. Like it's, uh-huh. it's, it's comfortable as hell. It is. You were aware of it. So you changed a pattern. It's just practice, practice for accepting and loving and receiving and surrendering to how incredible we all are in these moments. Yeah. Karen, your story is absolutely amazing. So I ask everybody at the end of the podcast, the very same question, what is something you know to be true, yet no one believes you? Oh, wow. Well, it's not that no one believes me, but I, I think we have the power to heal ourselves. Mm. So well said. Yeah. I believe you. Like, I, I mean, we, we are living examples of this power of love and awareness and gratitude and stepping it in. And, you know, in the podcast, you had said, I didn't even know where to begin. At some point, I don't think we need to know where we're going. Just yeah. need to know what, what is the very first step. And yours was gratitude. Yours was being aware of what are you grateful for. Exactly. Being at that conference. There's a reason you were at that conference to give you that grab you by the ears and shake you up into that awareness. And that's what those are the stories I love to hear. So yeah, it's been you. an honor to have you on the show today. And I love your story. Absolutely beautiful. Oh, Matt, it's been a real joy to be here and just to be in a conversation. Um, and look, hopefully it helps someone, mm-hmm. but it's been a joy speaking to you. And thank you for everything that you're doing and being such a shining light in this world. It's, it's really an honor to be here with you today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Karen. So thank you guys. And I look forward to seeing everybody in the next episode. Once again, Karen, my heart goes to you. This has absolutely been beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. And I hope you left inspired. Leave us a five-star review and begin following us on your favorite podcasting platform. Also, if you are diagnosed with MS and want to join a supportive community, come join us on Facebook in the Identity of MS private group. In the show notes will be a link to join the community. Remember, you are good enough to heal anything. And I hope you give yourself permission to heal. Thank you.